What'll it be, stranger? Wait a minute. This could be some kind of scam, or possibly scam all of. You're listening to the Hollywood Saloon. Saloon Shots, round 12. All right, so a couple days ago, found this article. Director Brett Ratner discussed the risky business of integrating brands into movies Thursday at an advertising week event focused on consumer attention in a media-saturated world. Okay, again, this is Brett Ratner discussing it with other people. Using the example of his current project, Beverly Hills Cop, you know, bing, bing, another remake. Or, well, I don't know. Is this a part four? No, it's a part four, right? This is going to be Beverly Hills Cop 4, um, which Ratner says is a huge priority for Paramount. The director said that Eddie Murphy will need a car to drive in the film, and he has to figure out which one. Rather than doing a deal with a car maker and trying to force its product into the story, Ratner said the process must work the other way around. What are my needs for the story? He explained in describing his search for an organic solution. What car do I need that can become a character in the movie? So he's basically talking about something that's been going on ever since the history of movies is you make decisions in a movie. I mean, Nick Nolte in 48 Hours, they had to make a decision what kind of car he drove, right? Sure, sure. Shitty Cadillac, that's a ragtop, right? <laughs> I mean, these kind of – and that's a, it's his character as well. And then when you see Eddie Murphy and he pulls his little um, – what, the, the Carmen Ghia out or the little Porsche he's got or whatever, the little European job he's got out of the storage, you laugh because that's not the car you would think Eddie Murphy had. Both of those decisions in that one film, one example, were character integrated. There was no branding involved. There was no placement or whatnot. It was someone made a creative decision, and they said, go get me one of those cars, and they went and got them, and they put it in. This smacks of turning that into a business, the same way that Music Supervisor became a business in the 90s to where people that you hire, they pick the songs for your movie. Exactly. That became a legitimate industry, and now they have these computer data banks where they look at your movie and they go, oh, I'm going to type in the word sunset, I'm going to type in the word breakup, I'm going to type in the word accident, I'm going to type in the word rainstorm, and then 15 songs will come up that have all those kind of elements incorporated to them in the lyrics or whatnot, and they can help you pick your on-the-nose pop song to put on your soundtrack. That became a whole industry in the 90s based on what used to be just creative decisions made by a director like George Lucas in American Graffiti or Scorsese in any number of one of his films. I mean, Michael Mann didn't really need a music supervisor for Thief. He just took out some of his Tangerine Dream records and said, this is what I want. Right, right. So, throwing right back into the corner, this just smacks of branding is everywhere. That's the culture that Hollywood lives in anyway, and I think it's like we said on an earlier shots, you either play the game or you don't, and this just smells of somebody saying there's opportunity here. Plus, we can look legit. We can look like, hey, we're the story-conscious 
company. We're interested in characters and story and integrating that in. We'll do product placement, of course, but you know, it's more about the characters and the story. That's, that's the umbrella cover of this whole thing. So yeah, I guess it's a good idea because if it integrates himself and they can sell this service off on other movies, there's a lot of money to be made in something that essentially could be done by the creative team of any movie without the need of this corporation. But that's the trick right there, what you said, turning this into a business. And this is what Brett Ratner has done. And now he's got his company called Brett Ratner Brands. Okay? That's an actual name of his company. Brett Ratner Brands. Now let me continue this article because it's interesting. In another example, a Ratner argued that forcing a soda bottle into a movie scene makes it seem like a prop and doesn't have any branding effect because viewers will block it out. Branding effect. It must be a character embedded in the story, he said, recounting how he absolutely wanted a Porsche 928 as a younger man because it played a key role in risky business. Porsche, there is no substitute. Now this brings up an interesting sort of... Uh... This is a good conversation because when you and I were growing up watching movies, many times there were fake brands in movies. Do you remember that? Sure, absolutely. And it always bugged the shit out of me. It bugged the shit out of me too. Right. It just it screamed fake movie, Hollywood, not real. Right. That exactly. was all that flashed through my mind when I saw all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. It's not the same for Quentin Tarantino, and I'll get back to that in a second. But the moment that somebody was drinking, you know, just something called cola. That meant nothing to me. All but right. if I saw them drinking RC or Dr. Pepper or whatnot, I had no problem with it. That was integrated into the real world. What I have a problem with is blocking. It's, it's the positioning of a bottle or a cup that's unnatural to favor an angle to where a logo or a brand – you see it all the time with cereal boxes. That's the worst. They're just you – know, they're not placed like that on tables. If you were showing, shooting it from that kind of specific angles, it's just, you know, they, they, they ruin branding by making it obvious by trying to position it to favor the product the way commercials do. And when films do that, that's exactly what Ratner is talking about. And, of course, it's annoying. And it even became a gag for Mike Myers in Wayne's World, a fantastic gag. He slammed the whole process to hell there. But it wasn't like the process was going to stop. Let's be realistic. Now, I always liked Quentin Tarantino's take on it, which is I want to invent my own brands, right. except for Fruit Brute. Fruit Brute gets a pass. Yeah, that gets a pass because that's special. <laughs> for those of us that remember Fruit Brute, you know, that, that other fourth monster cereal. The monster cereal that disappeared, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I do think it's cool that he does resurrect Fruit Brute. But yeah, I like his red apple cigarettes and, you know, his Big Kahuna Burger. Big Kahuna Burger. This is a tasty burger. But that's Quentinverse. That's right. what that's that's his universe, his thing. I applaud him, and I think that's great. I don't have a problem with it in his movies because that's his own reality. But uh, I always used to hate the fake brands just like you did. So I'm on the fence on the issue because if it was me, I want the real thing. I want the true brand. Product placement has to happen in, the, in, in a story that is taking place in a real world. I have no problem with that. Now, if you take product placement out of the real world and you force it into a fake world or a fantastical science fiction type world. Remember in The Island when they had the clones world and the clones uh, were uh, in their little habitat and doing what they did and every day they would put on their clothes and their clothes were all like Nike branded or something. Right. You know, and then you say to yourself, okay, okay, these are stupid clones. 
and they have no business – well, they had no business walking around and, and, and having thoughts and, and, and learning language in my point, in my opinion. The whole idea is ridiculous. Oh, to me, they're freezer fodder until necessary, but yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, f- keep them on ice, man. Give me a break or lobotomize <laughs> them or something. Good God. But uh, the point is, is – that here you force a brand into that situation and it's laughable because it's obvious product placement. And you're like, give me a break. Well, and they didn't go for the humor. They could have made it an iconic godlike symbol. Right. Integrated into that world. Then it would have played. No, but they wanted to integrate a real brand so that they could use that to make money for the film. It's all tie-in and promotions. Yeah, it, that goes back. We, that's nothing new. We've been experiencing that for 30 years. But what I'm saying is, is that there's the difference between someone regular just running around and throwing down a Mountain Dew because that's what they happen to have in their fridge and obvious product mm-hmm. placement. It's a very delicate thing how product placement is done to where when it becomes, okay, this person just has Coke and they're drinking a Coke or it becomes obvious, ridiculous product placement. Totally. And this is – this is the funny thing about this this new business that Ratner is starting. Someone is going to sit and decide these decisions for characters now. If they're going to read a script and go, this is a Coke person. Exactly. This is a Dr. Pepper person. This is a Pepsi person. Now, the wrinkle to this little concept and idea is, is it's coming third party of someone that didn't create the project. They're imposing these decisions onto something, whether or not they fit or not. But – there is going to be obvious influence from every brand to Brett Ratner brands. They're all going to want to go to lunch with them. They're all going to have meetings. Do you think Porsche is not going to want to keep up a good relationship so that person in that meeting maybe thinks Porsche like one out of five times? Exactly. You know? It's it, it, the thing is is it's just a middleman to the same thing. And again, that takes us back to who and why Brett Ratner is what he is, and why he ha- why people have that opinion of him. He's brilliant. This is a brilliant businessman. This is a man that wants to make money, setting up a business in Hollywood. He sees an opportunity out there and goes, you know what? I'm going to start a business. It's like you know the thigh master, Suzanne Summers. Opportunity. I'm going to take it. Boom. I'm going to get rich. Not that he's not that anyway, but you know, I, I'm not. I'm not condoning it, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to pick up pom poms and cheerlead for it. But no, he's smart. That's a. It's a great idea if someone will pay for it. I can't believe anybody would feel the need to, because these should be decisions your creative team should be able to make for you. And all of these brands are going to want to probably associate with a movie anyway because that's the only way they can advertise. It's not like there's a lack of, no, you can't use our brand in movies. You know, M&M's learned their lesson with E.T., you know, bad move. Right. You know, Barbie learned their lesson with the first Toy Story, you know, (laughs) and, you know, of course, they ended up in Toy Story 2. But, you know, the, the word on the street is, is you don't refuse because it can only help increase your awareness and sales and longevity and everything else. You know what it is? If you really look at it, it's an agent for brands. It's like now your brand has an agent. Okay, mm-hmm. and Brett Ratner has a company that represents brands. Okay, so they say, "Well, we're very friendly with Nike," and so Nike's on their docket, and they say, "Let's try to get some Nike in in Beverly Hills Cop." 
you know, to where it's obvious, but it's still, it's not obvious. It's organic. Don't you love the use of that word? It's organic into the film. The only way it can be organic is if it's Nike and it's Reebok and it's Converse and it's Hush Puppies and everything else. That's the only way it can be organic. And they're not going to want that. They don't want brand clashing. That's why you don't want Coke and Pepsi in the same scenes. Brands don't like that. So I don't see how they can avoid the same traps that they all fall into. And really, their service is superfluous if everyone on the set doesn't photograph it correctly. It'll still stick out and be made fun of if it's not handled right and integrated into the film. Well, can't you see on the set the brand being there watching how the product is filmed or the person from that product line saying, okay, well, today's the day. Today's the day we're shooting the Nike shoes. Today's the day that uh, Eddie Murphy puts on his Nikes. Yeah. So let's uh, let's make sure that we got a Nike representative there. Okay, can we check the angle? Can we get this here? Can we get that? the The point is, and and this let me let me pull it way back here is that this is infringing on storytelling to such a sick degree that it is again turning this machine that we used to love and that gave us stories into this massive selling. I don't even know what to, what, what to call it, but it's like it's like that was the first set of word. The first set was p- product placement, and we got used to that, and we accepted it because, like you said, we didn't want fake brands, okay? But now we're talking organic product placement, okay? And the agent that slips them in there brought to you by Brett Ratner, director of Family Man. He sees the future even just beyond movies because it's already incorporated today. But here's the future of your television programming in about five years. A show will come on television, and at any time, you can push a button on your remote, and tiny little graphics will show up where if you want to buy that jacket that that character is wearing, boom, put it in your queue. You want those sunglasses? Boom, put it in your queue. You want that car? Or, hey, what is that you know particular brand of deodorant they're using? You can look it up and go straight to their website. Everything is going to become yeah. interactive and for sale because this is how TV shows are going to survive in the future advertising age and everything. It's all going to be incorporating brands, but a selective to where you can purchase right there availability you know, on, on the shows. I see that as just an inevitability. Maybe five years is a little bit too soon. I know the technology is already there and in place in some aspects of it. You can even see it in the web, you know, how some things are embedded when you watch videos and you can click and go to other places. So we're already seeing some elements of that being integrated. But, I mean, think about it. You've seen it on TV shows like at the end of Smallville where they run the names of the songs used in the episodes. Right. How smart was that in having a picture of the album show up or in between commercial breaks and whatnot? Well, you know what? Let me give you another example that's even more current is right now Fox has a new show on called Glee, which is actually a really fun show and I like. But they do new songs every week. It's, 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 it has a musical element to it. And at the end, you the next day, you can go download that song on iTunes. These two songs mm-hmm. now available on iTunes. There you go. You That's don't have smart. to wait. You don't have to wait for the album anymore. So they say, how can we make a show that, and obviously High School Musical was probably the catalyst for this, and they say, how do we make a show that can generate ratings, but at the same time, we can sell music by the truckload? Also, it's, it's multiple-use programming. It's like it's there for entertainment and for, and for advertisement, but at the same time, we can be selling something at the same time. It's available right now over at iTunes. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. This is the beginning of that age, and 
doesn't it make complete sense that if that's the way this is going and people are going to take a script and, and say, okay, let's give this script now to the organic product placement team and they're going to chop this script up whenever it says Johnny takes a drink, okay? Chop, chop. Okay, let's get on this. What kind of drink would Johnny drink? Who do we have available? Who's willing to pay? Johnny takes a Yoo-Hoo. No, it can't be a Yoo-Hoo. Some script writer will write that in. Johnny right. drinks a Yoo-Hoo, but you know what? Ah, Yoo-Hoo. And eh, you know what? We want to change that to something else now. We want it to be Maxwell House coffee or whatever. Yeah, it's you know. whatever, whatever you want to fit in. So you have a whole team that figures all that out, and they hand, you, hand it back to you. And the director can just show up and say, well, whatever the hell he's drinking, I don't give a shit. And they say, oh, well, well, well Brett Ratner Brands has devised a whole plan, and he should be drinking slice orange. You know, and it's like, well, okay, put the fucking – I don't give a shit. Put the orange slice in his hand. I don't care. Let's, let's make a film. So are you going to tell me that films will have a Brett Ratner seal of approval on them? For branding, why wouldn't there at the end of a film have a Brett Ratner's? You know, uh, he'll have his own logo at the end of the credits. All, all, all branding, all product placement directed by Brett Ratner Brands. Absolutely, Brett Ratner Brands with his own little logo of his big mug. <laughs> and that way, you can know that if this film went through the Brett Ratner branding process, that it's good, it's cool, it's hip, it's okay. This is not branding to hate. This is branding to like. They didn't just let some dumb screenwriter or some ignorant director worry about what the, the characters should be drinking. No, no, no. We've got a team of crack specialists who know what the current product is that will make teenage boys just pee in their pants and want to run right after the film and go pick up the, that pair of shoes or get that, that specific hamburger. I mean, it's like that. that's what we're coming to is – that's the next step in, in the product placement is that we're going to have these movies filled, like you said, zing, 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 to where what's left for us, you know, except just to go and to be sold to again and again and again. And you know what? My whole point in starting this conversation, I'm glad it went this way, but really was to show you what an inept retard Brett Ratner is and what he brings. And it wasn't until I read this article because I have a lot of times I said, God, I don't really know why I don't like him. There's other directors who make shitty films who I don't hate. I just agree. Well, he kind of sucks as a filmmaker. I don't hate him for that. But Brett Ratner always is just like, God, what is it? What is it? This is the perfect example is that he, like you said, is a marketing genius. He will make tons of money off this if people are willing to hand over their film to him, which if the system is going that way, which is obvious displaying that it is, that you can hand it over to him. He knows what he, – he's in the system. He knows where the system is going. He's no dummy. That's the first misconception you can make about R Brett Ratner is to think he's stupid or a dummy. Far from the truth. Oh, no. He's no dummy. But what he is, he is the harbinger of our doom because he is the <laughs> one who is stealing the heart away from film and from television and from everything that we love. Because in the end, all it's going to be is a homogenized, branded, organically product-placed film that's going to try to do nothing but sell to us. And if that's all it is, well, then fuck it, man. It's sunk. You know? The art is dead. It's, it's been that way anyway. That's what's just so no, funny. No, but about it's getting worse. Even all of this, this is just like trying to cash in on something that already exists, that studios have been doing for years anyway. No, it's, I mean, it's, that's what's so funny about it is that, like you said, he's, he's gone in there and said, hey, you know, you've been doing that. Well, we can take care of that for you. And we've got specialists. Mm -hmm. We've got a team of specialists that can take care of that for you. Oh, well, sure, take it off my plate. A million bucks, two million. I don't care. 
there? Yeah, please do that. We don't want to have to worry about that and making the calls and all that. Because he'll have special relationships with all of these different kind of companies going in. I mean, of course. What a great way to network. I mean, you imagine the fringe benefits. You know how many gift baskets you're going to get? Oh, your yeah. Your company is going to get from every company in the world that wants you know to be associated? You don't have to buy anything again, you know? I mean, yeah, he'll get free meals for the rest of his life just by having business lunches. Oh, Richard Branson from Virgin called. Yeah, I'm going to go jet and have lunch with him on his plane or something. I mean, it's just going to open up all kinds of opportunities. Like anything, if someone can take something off of your plate that you don't have to worry about in the creation process, if if all this stuff is vital to the production of the film, which obviously it has been for a long time, well, then why not farm it off? I mean, it's exactly like if you are a director, an actor, and you have an agent, you don't want to be the person who has to make all those calls and have all those connections. When if you can just find someone who has all that already, who has these relationships, who can just plug it in, and you're like, hey, you did it all to me. Will I give you a percentage of what I make? Absolutely, because you just saved me, you know, two years of my life getting to know people. Not only are they saving them time, though, but you haven't brought the bomb yet. What Ratner and company are going to bring back to the studio is a sheet of paper with a figure on it. That's right. Look how much you make. That's the key thing. It's because you just hand them a script, and they go away, and they come back with a number. And all the deals are in place. And it's like you either agree to that number or you don't. You don't have to do another phone call. You don't have to worry about anything else. Everything is tied in and done. Nice, neat, concise. You know, these, all these companies all together will add up to $33 million of, of advertising and savings on this film. Do you want that or not? <laughs> and that's how they're going to conduct business. And you know what? It'll probably be a very successful business. And you'll see other branding companies, probably clones like it, popping up. Because if that's, again, like you said, if that's where everything is going, you jump on it. And if you're an entrepreneur in the way that you think, and I think he certainly is thinking in that way. Well, listen to this. Um, at the end of the article, Mandalay boss Peter Goober, big name in Hollywood, who joined him on stage, agreed with Ratner's organic branding and marketing approach and also spent some time discussing digital media such as Twitter and Facebook. Such tools can help marketers attract attention and turn it into intention, Goober argued. Word of mouth is now a technological tsunami, he said, suggesting to entertainment and other marketers that they should focus on reaching their core audiences and let them do the viral marketing for you. Exactly what we're talking about. Let them take this off your plate, so that we can, you know, uh, scathe these people and uh, and uh, and scurry and and and. and force our product into their brain. It just seems like a pet rock to me, what they're selling. I mean... <laughs> they're selling nothing, exactly. They're selling I, I time. Mean, they're selling time. They're saying, let us take this off our plate. We know what we're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. You go worry about making the movie, and we'll mean, worry you know, about your branding. All this Twitter and networking, I mean, I think it's overstated. I mean, I think they're almost working too hard and spending too much money because word of mouth travels anyway. You don't even have to ask for it to. It happens. It's already integrated into our society, at least through something as simple as a telephone call or an email or Twitter or whatever kind of method you use for, for sending quick messages. Uh, we have all kinds of ways. Now there's websites with banner ads and all kinds of commercials. It's hard to avoid the announcement of certain movies when they come out now, and that's sure. kind of what they're talking about, you know. 
Our movie's oh. out in theaters, you yeah. know, go see it. Because yeah, you are. You're competing for attention and time and all the other films that are coming out and whatnot. But, uh, you know, certainly, yeah, if you put that fear into the corporations out there that they need you, that you're tapped into all of that, uh, that's a great way to, uh, to clean up at the circus. Sure. It's an entirely new industry. And this could have been going on before, and we just don't know what we're talking about. But, but still, this is it's apparent now. And then when someone like Ratner jumps in there, because then by throwing his name on there, when you attach the dollar figure to what he's created with his films, then they say, oh, well, we trust him. I mean, he's made three hugely successful films. And you hit on it right there. There is probably all of this. It's probably already been in there. He's jumping into it. But you know what his little red ticket that he's holding is? I've got the integrity. It's all about the characters. Oh, you know, right. Integrating it into the story. Yeah, and the characters. they're a character. <laughs> the, the other corporations can't give you that, but Brett Ratner brands he can. Because we're all about characters and story. What car do I need that can become a character in the movie? Right. <laughs> well, does he have lines, Brett? What car would this character drive? Well, I can answer that for you really quickly. How much does that character make a year? And I'll tell you. I can tell you what kind of apartment they can afford. I can tell you what kind of car that they can afford, what kind of clothing they would wear. But they don't want that. It's not about that reality. If it's Axel Foley, it's the same blue crap Chevy Nova. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I, I would hope those decisions are very easy to make. And I get it. I mean, you understand why you know a film like Transformers has the deal with, what, Ford or whatever? Oh, I mean, sure. they get all the free vehicles, all the free promotions. It's all integrated into their concept and story anyway. So, I mean, having partnerships and brands is just smart movie making because, I mean, and, and again, it's like I said earlier, if a brand comes to you and say, hey, please wear our clothes, drive our cars, wear our watches, do whatever, and we will spend 5 or $10 million promoting your movie when it comes out. Well, you sign up 10 or 20 of those in your movie – you just cut off one of the biggest expenses of your movie. Sure. Because nobody wants to spend money on promotion. They don't want to spend a million dollars. They don't want to spend $40 million, you know. <laughs> it's just, But they know that they have to. So any, any free money that they can get from outside sources that will gladly promote your movie, they're going to take. And they're going to, you know, that's why you see all kinds of crazy tie-ins of all the sorts for every kind of movie. Because oh, yeah. you've got to take what you can get. That's the age of, of selling you know, movies in a crowded marketplace. Oh, I loved it when ordering a pizza from Pizza Hut when Dark Knight came out, that they had the, the Gotham pizza or something, and, and all it was <laughs> was a pizza with a whole bunch of pepperoni on it. I mean, that was it. There was nothing oh. different. And it came in a box that was kind of black, I think. Right, <laughs> Woo! Right. Thanks. I got a... I got a a Gotham pizza. If they would have made the bat symbol, that little plastic piece they put in the center, then it would have been worth it. Yeah, but no, no, no. They just, they're just going to label it. No, no, this is yeah. a Batman pizza with a whole bunch of fucking pepperoni on it. Oh, that's great. I feel like Batman now. Thank you. I'm going to go <laughs> kick ass now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Joker pizza. Yeah, exactly. Because you told me I'm supposed to think it's Batman. Anyways, I, I think really in the long run when you look at this, this is this is snake oil. You know, this is... Someone coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to make you believe that I've got something I can offer you. And surely enough, they will believe it. And Activision hired him. You know all those commercials for uh, Guitar Hero that had the um, – they brought back the risky business scene with uh, yeah, all these people right. playing. And it's just like, wow, that, that's what you brought, Brett? That, 
that thing that was so parodied and redone by everyone in the world for so many years, and then it dissipated because everyone forgot about that movie for so long. And then you brought it back, and there was a resurgence, and now you get all these different actors to go and do it again. And it's just like, wow, we're still – it's like the first time I saw it, I was like, wasn't that played out like, like you know – 15 years ago? Well, it shows me the direction of the company. Every idea will be based on another idea, a previous good idea. And we'll just go, hey, look how hip and cool we are. We're referencing Risky Business. T-I-R-E-D. <sighs> I mean, what else can you say about it? Yeah, exactly. So, But yeah, I mean, that's, that's not being very creative. I mean, I guess... <sighs> It's only creative in the fact that you could remember that scene and think, oh, it might be a good idea to have someone do something that already worked once anyway. I mean, that's what we used to have parodies for. Well, I know, and that's the deal. Is that, that one was so parodying. It's like, it's like, let's do it. Let, let, can't you see him sitting around the table? What if we did? What if we did? Let's do Show Me the Money. Show Me the Money! Show Me the Money. We'll have different people saying, Show Me the Money. Show Me the Money. Yeah, that's great. Oh, completely. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, come on, man. You're just so fucking branded that you can't even see straight. You can't even see past anything. Ugh, you know, God, just don't even get me started. <laughs> I go for hours on this guy because I just think it's all snake oil and and and, and con job. It's all flashing money and flashing, you know, it's like walking up and flashing yeah. gold to somebody. And it's, oh. Brett Ratner has spent the last 11, 12 years making connections in Hollywood while becoming a very successful film director. He knows hundreds and thousands of people. He's, he's very interconnected in terms of he's a friendly guy. He's a guy that even you, Andy Sims, could sit down and you guys would start chatting and you would go off and find an agreeable ground and have a good time chatting. You know who, you know who Brett Ratner is? I'm going to take you to the end of broadcast news, okay? Um, I forgot what year it came out. That would uh, be what, 88, 87, 88? Yeah, scene between Holly Hunter, Albert Brooks, and they're talking about William uh, Hurt, okay? And, and – <laughs> And she says, but this guy's the devil. Don't get me wrong when I tell you that Tom, while being a very nice guy, is the devil. This isn't friendship. You're crazy, you know that? What do you think the devil's going to look like if he's around? God. Come on, no one's going to be taken in by a guy with a long red pointy tail. Come on, what's he going to sound like? <sighs> no. I'm semi-serious here. You're serious. He will be attractive. He'll be nice and helpful. He'll get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation. He'll never do an evil thing. He'll never deliberately hurt a living thing. He'll just bit by little bit lower our standards where they're important. Just a tiny little bit. Just coax along, flash over substance. Just a tiny little bit. And he'll talk about all of us really being salesmen. I mean, really, that's what Brett Ratner is, is little by little chipping away at his chink, chink, chink. Okay, I'll go see a Brett Ratner movie. Oh, he's doing Beverly Hills Cop? Oh, I got to go see it. Oh, he's doing an X-Men movie? Got to go see it. God, it sucked balls. Oh, but, you know, uh, maybe we'll I'll go see it again because he's doing Beverly Hills Cop. Maybe this will be good. Bullshit. You know, it's just like chinking away at us. Chink, 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 taking us down to where... You know, the Hollywood that we have today is partly responsible because of people like him, because they're taking this down that marketing road 
that, uh, yes, it's always been there, but now it's just gone. You know what I mean? And if any, to me, the only thing that exists anymore is an, an independent movie like something like District 9 or um, The Hurt Locker can come in there and not even have to deal with that kind of bullshit. can just be a film for the sake of being a film. We get so lost in all this, and it's just it, it gets to a point where it's just loud screaming, um, you know, bad metal music. And you just want to say, stop. I mean, and, and I, I don't blame anyone at this point for unplugging. It's just all going down this path. It's poisoned. And I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeless, man. How, how do we get out of this? What's the way? Look to history. I mean, you just, it's, I mean, I, I thought that, you know, the Cleopatra would happen a lot sooner. You know, the age of the crash and whatnot. We're in a corporate age, though. I mean, right now, Unfortunately, audiences are still buying the product. The moment they stop buying the product, right. that shift will happen. That hasn't happened yet. And this is this is the fallback. This is the master evil fiendish plot if you believe on we've been dumbing down audiences for so long that they'll scoop up our shit because they like going to the movies anyway. And that's a, <laughs> that's a, even a bigger issue and I know we've been chipping away at that, you know, slowly over the years. But I don't know how you change anything when people will get fed, will feed off anything. You know, they're zombies. Yeah. They're just going to feed. And as long as that happens, no, of course not. But that's when all the shifts happen. If you, if you go back and just take the last 110 years of Hollywood and, and look at the, the, the seismic shifts that when it did happen and the one that we always cite in the 60s and so forth. But the corporations own Hollywood. They own it. And in the past, when they owned Hollywood, they didn't know what to do. They opened the door for a very short moment, and a bunch of people rushed in, you know, and they got some stuff made. <laughs> and then the door closed, okay? And then some years goes by, and then, you know, some other things happen, and that door opens up again, and a bunch of people rush in, and then it slams shut again. Well, yep. the door is shut now. They don't want <laughs> anyone else in right now. There's plenty to go around. And now that the door's shut is they're just looking at what works and what feeds the uh, the financial interests of the corporation. It's the whole Goldman Sachs theory. They got to run the numbers on every single film. I mean, Hollywood was always about no, but they're about no, 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 let me run the numbers. No, no, right. no. You know, <laughs> I mean, before they might have been like, no, no, well, maybe yes. But they're really scared now, and they got to run it through all the other departments. Every film's got to run through the marketing department and the financial department. And every other department beyond the creative, Of what difference does it make if it's a good movie? <laughs> Irrelevant. <laughs> it won't make us any money. And even you, Andy Sims, the head of Warner Brothers, someone comes to you and says, we have this project. It's a really good script. We've got the actors. Unfortunately... It's going to cost about 55 to $60 million to make. And we ran all the numbers, and we don't think it will gross more than 22 domestic. Do you make it anyway? <laughs> I, I can't even play that. Now, Warner Brothers under Andy Sims might say, I don't give a fuck because the Dark Knight made so much money right. that we'll cover it. Our hits will cover the loss. I want that film in my catalog. I want it in my library. We're going to make it. That kind of thinking used to prevail. Yep. It's not anymore, and that's what's happened. So this is a perfect merge for you either accept the climate and you decide you're going to be a player in it and, and work your way in it and you want to be a fish and you want to swim in that stream, or you don't. And you, you either sit it out and you wait and you don't make films for years on end 
and it gets harder and harder and harder to get any kind of new project, you know, up and going. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, when you when I saw this news and you sped it off to me, it just to me it was just like mathematics. It made complete sense whether I liked it or not. Show me the money. You're listening to the Hollywood Saloon.